Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this is the first episode of the year. It's been a bit, uh, bit slow to get started this year with the podcast anyway. Um, everything else has been really busy. I spent all of uh, January doing the QBank Art Residency down in uh, Queenstown in Tasmania. And um, yeah, that was great down there. Just getting out to nature, doing lots of walks and painting every day, which was a lot of fun. But, um, but in saying that, if uh, any of you are in, uh, in Melbourne this week, uh, go down to uh, Marfa Gallery on Friday night. I've got the exhibition opening and it uh, should be really good. It's called uh, Town and Country and I've worked really hard on this body of work and taken a lot of inspiration from the, uh, the time I spent down in Queenstown in Tasmania. Uh, it opens on March 1st at Marfa Gallery in Melbourne. 288 Johnson Street, Abbotsford, uh, and it opens, I think, five, five or six. Yeah, but come down. It'll be open all weekend as well. Before I get into today's episode, I uh, just wanted to um, let you know that in future episodes, I'm going to be doing some uh, Q&A with uh, the listeners. So um, if you can write down any questions you've got and email email them to uh, benchtalkpod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I'll read them out on the air and, uh, and they have a discussion around them. Um, I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Today I'm catching up with uh, Melbourne-based artist Sean Liu. Uh, yeah, Sean's a really great artist, does really intricate work. He's definitely worth uh, checking out on Instagram, um, Seamus Liu, S-H-A-M-U-S-L-U. Uh, yeah, and here's the interview. Uh, this week I'm sitting down with Sean Liu. How are you going, man? Thanks for having me. No worries. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said uh, Melbourne-based artist. Melbourne-based artist. No, I'm all over the place at the moment, you know, I... I find over the last year it's been uh, Tasmania, Singapore, like, I, I do think that I'm based in Melbourne, that's for sure. I, I've yeah. been there for the last, what, 11, coming 12 years now. But this past year especially, I think I've only spent about four months in Melbourne, maybe a bit more than that all enough. Like, I, I had a, sh- a solo show in Singapore and a couple of commission stuff that I was working on over there, so... Um, I don't know, probably spent about half a year over there. And then Tasmania as well, which is, you know, obviously because of the Q-Bank Gallery, which I've become more involved with. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely Melbourne-based, for yeah. sure. But yeah. spending less time in Melbourne, I don't know. Yeah. I'm enjoying it, though. Well, they, they say it's uh, where you pay rent is your home. Yeah, so. yeah, that's yeah. it. So, yeah, that's it. It's <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, I don't pay rent in Singapore, so I'll stay yeah. with my folks when I'm down there. Yeah. Which is cool. So you're from Singapore? I'm from Singapore, yeah. Born and bred. Um, I moved over to Melbourne 12, yeah, coming 12 years, like I said. Um, I finished off a degree in uh, business IT. Actually, I never really finished it, man. Um, but after that, I went into the army for two years. So that's compulsory in, in Singapore, you know. It's, it's the same as, say, like South Korea or Israel. You have to do two years in like a month of the service. And so after that, I think the one thing that the army gave me was a lot of time to really think about what I wanted to do. Mm. And it definitely wasn't IT, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, um, yeah, I, I'd saved up a small bit of cash and um, moved over to Melbourne to study art. So my dad's Australian, so it was real easy for me to get a, like just convert my, get my Aussie passport. Came over here, studied visual arts for two years, just as a TAFE, and then went on to illustration. Mm-hmm. Finished off that degree, and yeah, I was actually pretty lucky, you know, I moved straight into the Juddy Roller after that. Um, I was doing this internship with a lighting company, a studio called, uh, it's run by this guy called Christopher Boots, amazing stuff that they do. But back then, this is going back, what, seven years ago, I think, um, the Juddy Roller had a cafe downstairs mm-hmm. run by this guy called Rune. And obviously, Sean was, was around it. You know, so I'd, I'd always go over there for coffees and got to know the fellas a bit better. And one day, Sean's like, oh, you know, you should have a look at what's upstairs. I was just intrigued. I was interested because there was always people kind of coming up and down. And um, I, I'd met this guy called uh, Jaw, you know, Adri. The DMV? Uh, no, I don't know. He's, he's here at the moment, actually, uh, finishing off a huge project. Um, and guys like Joe Slicer, I think mm-hmm. Nate was always hanging around in that. So you know, I'd go up and see all the work that they were doing. And I just kind of had an offhand mention that you know, I'm finishing off my degree in illustration. I said, oh, dude, you know, you should come up and have a look at the spot and maybe you can grab a space or whatever. And so one day I just like brought over a real simple kind of portfolio. So I was like, oh yeah, look, if you want a studio space, that'd be fine, you know, go for it. 
being that you did the uh, the TAFE and the degree, yeah, did you find that you learnt more like practical skills from doing the TAFE course? And then the degree was more like just how to justify your art. And That's stuff like that. it. So yeah, yeah, with TAFE, um, I think it was more so on the technical side of things, like how to draw, basic composition, mm. um, you know, color harmony, these kind of things. And once you get into the degree, then it's more like you kind of know what you're doing already. Mm. Um, and it's more focused on developing your own personal, you know, artistic voice, I guess, mm. or a visual language or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm. And so that was pretty helpful. I think there were a couple of other things uh, from the degree course that I found pretty helpful. Like just basic ideas on how, grant proposal, you know, I don't know, email writing, that kind of thing. So there was that business aspect, which I was so just quite unaware of that. I think it gave me a broad idea of how to figure that out. But then again, going back to, um, you know, joining a, a, a collective like the Jari, where you're surrounded by Korea artists and these guys you do it for a proper living, you know. So I was like, oh, shit, okay, this is, these are the guys that you need to learn from. Mm. And so, yeah, doing, yeah. doing the degree was great, but I think I learned a lot more, like, just being around that collective and those mm. artists that were just so driven. Um, really supportive as well, considering that I just come straight out of uni. Um, yeah, just super helpful. Mm. But you got to sort of learn the skills to even uh, if you you know if you walk in to a st uh, working studio, yeah, like ha you know not really knowing anything, mm -hmm. you've got to really start from square one, and you'll be asking a lot of stupid questions well, that's, just to get the basics. You know, yeah, that's kind so, of how I felt. Like, yeah. yeah, I just felt like such a dickhead talking to guys like uh, Slicer and and uh, you know maybe admate and, and draw and, and these guys just were so on point i felt anyways you know coming in from just straight out of uni like oh shit these yeah it's just so much to learn and so obviously you're going to be asking stupid questions but i mean all these fellows were just so supportive you know like mm. just keep at it and you know yeah yeah it was good <laughs> yeah because i found when i finished uh uni that mm -hmm. I, I thought I had a you know pretty good understanding of mm. like what to do, and then as soon as I was put in into a job, yeah, I was no like, man, way. I don't know <laughs> shit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think that's yeah. So there were a couple of jobs that I did uh, with a couple of uni mates um, while we were still finishing off the course. I think it was our last year, and you know, simple things like quoting, um, figuring out proper like working to a proper design brief and these kind of things. It's yeah, I mean, it was just amateur hour, you know, seriously. Mm. Yeah. Um, seeing some of the proposals that these guys were writing up and, and how professional they looked, all right, that's, that's how it's meant to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So getting into your art, for those that haven't seen your art, yeah. like, it's, it's really highly detailed. Mm -hmm. And as you said, you work with a minimal color palette. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. like what, what drew you to um, want to work in such a highly detailed manner? Well, man, as a kid, I had an uncle... Um, I mean, I still have the uncle. He was um, really into like comic books and that kind of thing, graphic novels and that, you know. And um, th there was this one illustrator in particular who I used to see a lot of, like just from books. And one of the first books I picked up, which was illustrated by this guy, Bernie Wrightson, his name is, was Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And the way he used, like, I don't know, shade and again, with a lack of color, um, j just just how we worked around light without having to use, just all that negative space, it blew me away. And all it was was just line weight, you see, and it looks so deceivingly simple. And that's something I always try to emulate, you see? Mm -hmm. So I, I remember at, um, in art school, one of the teachers was talking about this guy, Diego Velasquez, and what he used to tell the students, like just keep copying, um, you know, the masters that you see, get good at that. And then after, you know, 10 years or something, or once you've got that down pat, then you're allowed to draw your own potato. Mm. You know, so it's, it's kind of those things where I just used to practice and try and get as much as I could out of these, these artists, just emulating them constantly and always drawing. And then after that, I figured out, okay, maybe once I've gotten to this point, then I can try and do my own thing, mm. you know? Um, I, I guess that's that's kind of what I stuck to that limited color palette. A lot of line work. I love my lines. Um, yeah, that's 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 kind of how it went, you know. So I, even as a kid, it was just a lot of cross hatching. Uh, I don't quite know how I got into it. I just it was just one of those things, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so again, going into that TAFE program um, at RMIT, 
and playing around with color and paint and that, I just, I just never quite felt comfortable because I try and do what I did with, with how I'd work a pen, with that hatching kind of thing, and I, I just wasn't happy with the results. Um, which is not to say that, you know, I, I want to completely avoid painting or anything with color. It's just that um, I feel like I've still got a lot more to learn with this hatching kind of thing that I've got going on in terms of negative space. Um, one of those like more is, uh, less is more kind of thing, you know, so knowing when to stop, that's another problem that I have. Not overdoing pieces, mm. which I think sometimes I suffer from. Um, I think that's, with my newer works, that's what I've tried to do because with my older stuff, I just fill the whole page, you know, with this crazy kind of composition and I know some of the stuff will get lost in it and so you end up staring at the piece for a bit more and finding new things but I think now what I'm trying to do is hone in on certain elements of that, like composition. I know a lot of stuff that I've started off recently, uh, architectural drawings, that's a lot of the commission work that I've been getting recently. Um, and so that use of negative space, I think, has made those newer pieces more effective, mm. to me anyways. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been finding that even with my own work, like instead yeah. of filling the whole whole canvas or whatever. Yeah. Like just, you know, focusing on the bottom half or, mm -hmm. or in just areas and, and not trying to overdo it too much. It's That's it. It's, Mate, uh, that's it's, a skill in itself. It, it, is, tells you. it is. Knowing when to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like drinking beers. It is. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, you're telling me. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, like, as you mentioned, you, you have, like, hits of colour within your work. Like, you, yeah. you isolate um, certain objects and everything. Do you... Do you because you put so much into your, your each piece, mm -hmm. do you find it hard to choose which elements you want to isolate? I think usually for me, it's there, there are a couple of key points that I'd always have in, in, the, uh, in the painting or the drawing, and that usually involves a figure or maybe a car. I like to draw a lot of busted up cars and houses, though, which is something I, I saw a lot of in, in my travels around Eastern Europe. Um, and so I, I think a lot of the other stuff around it is almost abstract in the sense um, they usually involve a lot of foliage or I don't know trees and that's something I just fill in along the way to make the composition a bit more pleasing or just just being able to work so so that's something that I guess is less planned but then there are a couple of key points in the drawing that I think need need to anchor the eyes at so if it's a figure that's a bit more central or you know again like a a finger pointing to a car or something like that it could be yeah it's Again, one of those. Mm. And being that you, um, you know, you're saying you, you paint like busted up, like cars and houses, yeah. and also, um, you know, um, like trees and everything. Yeah. Do you find with all of those, those things, like mm -hmm. you don't have to get it right because it's not brand new. Like, like I, I, I like to paint things that are all busted up and, yeah, yeah. and you know, messed up as well because. Yeah. If the line goes wonky, it's just how it's been. It's part of it, anyways. You know, yeah, whereas you if, take it's, a bit of... if it's straight out the factory, it yeah. has to be perfect. Yeah, that's and it. And it's no. the same with plant matter as well. Yeah, it's like yeah. you, can, you can draw a tree, but if it's a bit short and stumpy, it doesn't matter because there's short and stumpy trees out there. That's, you know. Exactly, exactly. So. I think when I was a kid, there was this toy I remember getting for Christmas one time. They were called crash test dummies. You ever yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. So you, you'd get this car, and they had these dummies with little buttons on their chest and stuff, and you'd smack them against the wall and the things would start exploding. That was actually probably one of the first drawings I did of a busted up car. I was probably like five or six. Mm. Um, and yeah, I haven't stopped since, really. Yeah. Getting all the gears and all that kind of stuff flying out. And yeah, I've never really stopped. So I, I think what happened was um, I started traveling a bit around Eastern Europe in like 2008. And I was there for, I think I was there for about six months maybe. Um, and so that was around the time of the big uh, Greek financial crisis. I think like that whole of uh, Eastern Europe and, and the EU was going through a bit of a, a bad patch. So, so I was traveling around Romania just after winter. So yeah, coming around summer. And you'd see all these housing developments and like cars that if people couldn't quite afford to repair or keep up and going. So they were all just kind of strewn across the street when you're going down the highway. You know? So again, it was summer and all these... Uh, well, nature was basically taking over. And this is like in a space of, you know, just a couple of months. And then, so like, you know, I grew up in Singapore where all this stuff is just, it, it doesn't exist. The minute you see any kind of this, like entropy, it's swept away. It, it's covered up and the government is just, ah, yeah, you know, this, we need to make it nice and bright and clean and schmicko. 
So this was really just fascinating to me, something I've never seen before. So, you know, I started documenting it a lot with, with drawings and uh, photographs and that kind of thing. And I don't know, that eventually turned into my first solo show, just around the time I'd, I'd moved into Juddy. So they were just based off all my sketches. Yeah, put that into a show and, and, and shit, it went, it went pretty well, I have to say. Yeah, where was that show? That was at Off The Curb. Oh, yeah. and, and see, that was another thing about, um, you know, moving into Juddy and like, I don't want to name drop or anything, but something pretty incredible artists. I mean, guys that I really looked up to, uh, you know, hanging around the studio and that and having oh, a look at what drop. I was doing. Oh, oh man, like, so, you know, Adnick bought a piece, Sockles bought a piece. I was like, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> And um, well, I mean, just a massive confidence boost coming straight out of, of uni, you know, and that's mm. just all right. So yeah, I, I guess that that made me realize, OK, maybe I'm doing something good, you know. Um, and yeah, the, the show went went really well. I think on the second night I'd, I'd managed to sell it out. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, cheers, dude. I think this was, what, four or five years ago now is in, in 2014. Mm. Um, yeah, just. Man, I was mind blown. Yeah, <laughs> awestruck. And be, um, being that you like you sold out your first show, yeah. Like, did you have you had shows since then and gone in with the, the confidence that you're going to sell it out? Well, I mean, I, I don't think that's quite the way to go. You you never really go in expecting to sell out a show because I don't think you want to, you know, make work with the idea that oh, you know, this this piece is popular, therefore I'm going to make it. You know, or base mm. that off mm. your last show because it went so well. Um, I guess I've, I've tried to mix it up a bit and I've done pretty well, you know, like mm. I, I guess in terms of uh, a back catalogue, I've maybe got one or two pieces. Mm. Um, I've got one piece left from the show that I had in Singapore and just a couple of other, other illustrations that I need to send off. Um, so I think, look, I've, I've had a pretty decent run, but man, as you know, I, I take ages on, on a mm. piece. So at the moment, all it is is a backlog of commission pieces mm. that I've promised and have yet to deliver. Yeah. Just going back to like, um, you know, selling out your first show and then yeah. going into the second one. Like with me personally, I, I had a really successful first show as mm -hmm. well. And I thought that that's it. I'm just going to keep having these big shows. Yep. And um, yeah, I remember my second show, I think I sold one piece. And then the third one didn't, didn't sell many either. Yeah. And yeah. it's like... And you sort of, you, it's, it's actually hard to sell art in a gallery, if you know yeah, what I mean, but then, and, and you can have an awesome first show and it's like... Inevitably, I, I reckon that's, that's going to happen along your, your journey as, a, as an exhibiting artist, you know, yeah. I mean, look, even, even the show that I had in Singapore, I remember on opening night, there was a pretty big turnout, you know, but I think, um, so I was only over there for like a month and a half, mm. and for me, a month and a half is not a long time to make, you know, a massive body of work. Um, so on the first night, I think I'd sold something like two or three pieces out of the 12. Mm. But what I didn't realize was a couple of people, the show was on for like a week, you know, it was in this place on Orchard Road, uh, Mandarin Gallery, it's called. And um, yeah, people were just kind of coming in. And so I think that, that show really burnt me out. After I'd finished that on opening night, I just took two, three days off to catch up with mates that I, you know, wasn't able to see while I was making the work. And then I'd get like kind of messages piecemeal saying, oh, you know, this one sold, that one sold. And so it came to the point where, you, you know, you always expect that opening night is that, that's the night. That's yeah. where you need to sell out the show. That's where the crowd is. And so it was, it was a bit funny. Like I remember having, um, you know, that little after party or whatever um, at one of the bars nearby. And I just mentioned to a couple of mates, ah, oh, that's a bit fucked, you know, <laughs> we sold two pieces and that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I ended up selling everything except from that afterwards. I know it was kind of like one of those creeping shows. Yeah. It came out of nowhere. Yeah, because people get caught up on, on selling out a, a show, yeah. if you know what I mean. No doubt, of like, course. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's, um, it's really, I think it can really hold artists back. Yeah. And I know, I know artists who are really talented mm -hmm. and they've had an art exhibition and not much is sold. And yeah. then they've just said, nah, I'm stuff art. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm going to go back to my nine to five. Man, that's and so tough though. Yeah, yeah. And it's, there's nothing, it's not, it's, it's not about, I don't know, to me personally, it's, yeah. it's about putting on a good show exactly. and being, and exactly. pleasing yourself with yeah. the artwork. And mm -hmm. it's like, after that show, everything finds its home. So yeah. people might call you up and go, or DM you on Instagram or yeah. and say, we've yeah. got any art for sale. It's like, yeah, you know, I've got all these, I've got these pieces. And then they start selling, you know, and then before you know it, you 
got money in the bank and all the pieces are sold and yeah you know, that's but, it. It, but it's not necessarily in the gallery setting i know I, know I know what you mean i think what's been super helpful for me is just like you know contact and you know, just an email list of previous buyers and mm. um, people that have been interested in my work and that's something i always try and do like send out a personal email or something for a, a bit of a preview or a catalog that kind mm. of thing regardless of which whichever gallery i'm I've uh, chosen to exhibit with and that was really helpful especially when I did my residency down in Queenstown mm. so I was over here for three months on a residency you know it was only supposed to start off as, as just a one you know but I love the place so much um, I think I was going through a bit of a just a rough patch in general and, and I felt my art wasn't quite going anywhere so that's actually the first time I picked up um, acrylics and started working on canvas, moving slightly away from paper and pen. Um, and yeah, surprisingly that went really, well that's one of the reasons why I managed to stay for three months because the first show that I had, uh, I was there with Jason Parker, yeah that managed to sell out as well. Mm. Um, and then following that, the next show after the, the, at the end of the third month, that one also, yeah, sold out. So it was a, it's a profitable trip, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But quite lucky, I mean, um, it's not something I expected. Yeah. Uh, you said you um you hold on to a like a few older pieces and everything. Like I've um Rome was telling me that yeah. Lister told him actually mm -hmm. that uh that it's good to always keep your favourites from each series, if you know Man. what I mean. Yeah. And I've been trying to do that ever since, and it's um it's real tough because people can't come to my studio and buy art or whatever. And That's right. Like, oh, I really want that. And it's like, nah, it's not yeah, the same. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. See, I've I've never really done that. Um, I the, so again that one piece that I've got left from the, mm. the show that I did in, in Singapore I, I really do like that piece, mm. piece. It, um, I, I guess it was just something quite different from what I normally do mm. um, maybe that's one of the pieces that I'll keep for, yeah. for later I think it's worth doing because if you think about it you do a body of work yeah. and it's a, a series or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you go, I'll sell them all. If I want another one, I'll just make it. Yeah. You, ne you never do that. You always, you go, all right, I've done that. And then you look forward and you start evolving your style and looking at for new subject matters and I get you, all that I type get of stuff. It's, um, it's, yeah, you, I, I find, I very rarely find that you will backtrack to repeat an old piece. Because mm -hmm. you know, it seems like a waste of time as well. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, mm. Yeah, constantly evolving. I find. I mean, there's there's different elements for my old piece, my old older works that I like to, you know, in, incorporate in some of the newer things that I've got. But I mean, shit, I haven't had a show in. Well, it's almost coming year. I guess April was was my last show. Mm -hmm. um, I guess since I've gotten more involved with QBank and again just chasing up on on commission pieces that just accumulating I, I never say no. You know, I'd get a, an email or a DM or something. It's like, oh yeah, fuck, I'll be able to do that. No worries. Um, and yeah, look, it, all it boils down to, man, is, is bad time management. It's something I'm still struggling with, bro. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> Keep keeping a couple of spares yeah. on the go. Yeah, but I, th I think it's just for, you, for yourself, really. Like, yeah. you know, there's always a lot of, if you look at all the famous artists through history, they're, uh -huh. they're sort of like pieces that are... I don't know, that they've held on to or that are within their family or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That their galleries and all that don't own, you know, mm. or collect. But I'm sure some galleries do that anyways, right? They, they kind of keep some in reserve and... Yeah, but they're usually, they're usually uh, with the intention of selling it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, galleries and art collectors, they, mm -hmm. they, I know, they like to invest. They, they like yeah. to make money off, off art and also have a collection for themselves. Well, see, for me, I, mm. I, I prefer to sell my works and keep them hanging so that maybe I could afford to build up on my own collection, you know? Mm. Uh, I, I don't really like having any of my works hanging up at, um, at home. Yeah, yeah. I'd just like to get a little... If anything, I'd, I'd do a trade, you know, with, with someone else. And yeah. Get some of their works that I think are a bit more out of my price range. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. I've done a lot of that as well. I think yeah. most artists have, you know. Man, yeah, like, that's the thing. Art trades like, I wouldn't be able to afford a draw piece, you know, so what can I do? Just, yeah. just do a trade. Yeah. Yeah. You were mentioning before that you um yeah, you spend a lot of time on each piece. Like how like I know it's a rough thing to say because there's different sizes and all that. Yeah. But how how long on average do you spend on each piece? So I'd say some uh, a piece maybe about 
know, slightly over A3, I guess. That could take me anywhere between five days to a week and a half. Wow. Um, I've, the, there's one commission I did for a restaurant, um, and that was, that was a, A1, an A1 piece of paper. And that took me surprisingly quick to finish. Mm. I think I finished that in about three, about three weeks to a month. I mean, if we're going, you know, straight day to day, yeah, probably, probably about three weeks, you know. Wow. Um, so I think it really depends on uh, how detailed the piece is. Mm. Um, this one really had a central figure and everything around it was just kind of floral, floral patterns, you know, which were quite, mm. kind of easy to just pop, yeah, come, come right off, right off the top of your head. And mm. But do you find that, um, you know, like if, if you say you're doing a piece on the size, side of uh, the size of an A3 sheet yeah, of paper, but yeah. then you want to go do one on an AO, don't you just use wider? Um, exactly. Points, yeah. Know? Yeah. So, so that's all it is, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think I tend to charge a bit more for, for bigger pieces. Um, as it should. As it should. Yeah. There's, there's one I'm working on now for, um, some of the guys at Bodrigi Brewery who are, have kindly sponsored a lot of our beers for, for the QBank shows. Um, anyways, they're just about A3, but just so incredibly detailed. Mm. So one of those pieces probably took me about three weeks to finish. Mm. So it's it's not so much about, you know, the, the size of the, the drawing that you're doing, it's just how much detail in, um, you, you know, is actually in the piece. Yeah. Um, have you done any, like, um, like quick quick paintings, quick sketches, like, have you developed like a fast style for yourself or anything Yeah, like that? I have. And maybe also that goes down into the material that I use. I've started working with like graphite pens and I feel that I can still get a similar type of shading and a real thick kind of black line that I could almost, you know, get off using ink. <laughs> um, just that it's way more immediate, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, there are ways around getting faster, but I don't know, it's just, with, with drawings, I find they might be a bit harder to sell. I find it harder to sell anyway. Mm. So, um, you know, the fact that I'm using, like, say, good uh, printmaking paper or the kind of ink that I use is archival, I think that helps with a bit of, like, you know, consumer confidence or something, buyer's confidence, um, which is why I found that those sell a lot better. And especially with commissions, um, yeah, they just they just want to know that a piece after it's, you know, nicely... Uh, you know, properly sealed in that, um, that it's going to last for maybe a hundred years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So being that, uh, like you spend so long on each piece, do you like equate that into the price or do you, have you like worked out your, um, your See, man, that's, oh dude, that's such a funny one. No, I don't like to charge, um, by the hour. It, yeah. This is something I remember, um, some of the guys at Juddy, uh, mentioning like, oh dude, if you calculated all the hours and you're selling, selling this piece for like two and a half thousand, do you realize that you're only making something like 10, 12 bucks an hour? Mm. You know, I, I think that's, I think that's a bit, me personally anyways, just kind of the wrong way to go about it. Mm. You know, I think I started off, especially when I, again, just, just started making works and, and started selling them, especially, um, I think every year I just try and increase the prices by about 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's of course, if I'm selling them, um, but yeah, so I think it's more of a square centimeter kind of, you know, equation rather than figuring out how many hours are put in. Yeah. But having said that, I think I'm getting a lot more fast, uh, getting a lot faster. But that just comes with confidence, you know. So um, I'd say there's like a, a th- there used to be a three-way process in how I'd come up with a piece. So there's a lot of sketching involved and making sure everything's nice and precise. And then going over it with a line work. Whereas now I feel that, you know, just with a couple of reference images, I'm, I'm confident to the point where I just, I, I can just go for it, you know, so that maybe saves me like a day or two days or something like that. And then when I get into the hatching, oh man, it's just so therapeutic. Again, I've, I've got it to a point where um, when it comes to shadows or shading, I just, I just kind of know where things should be, which places to darken, which places to leave light. Um, so again, with practice, it's just become a lot faster. Um, so I guess, I guess less hours are put in, um, but man, I digress. I, I, I totally, I totally have not answered your question. No, <laughs> um, it's, it's all, no, you did, because it's, 
It's just interesting because I, I don't know, it's, I, I sell artwork by size yeah, and it doesn't yeah. matter if it's taken me five minutes or yeah. five years to create that mm-hmm. piece. The, the, it's, that's the price that it is because of the size. But it's isn't it the know. idea that it took you five or ten years to get to the point that you could finish off a beautiful piece in five minutes, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like that whole, it's like it took your whole, your whole life to get to yeah. where, where you are now. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's yeah. it. Uh-huh. Yeah. But um, it's just interesting, you know, because it's, people have different ways of looking at things. Yeah, so yeah. I, I guess to answer your question, I mean, I, I, um, I just try and put up at you know, 10% if I'm selling okay mm-hmm. um, every year. I, I think this, this year especially, I've started getting some pretty important commissions. Like I'm, I've got a, a fair few pieces for a judge back in Singapore that, that I need to do. And, um, I can crank your prices up for him, mate. Well, so, well, well, so that's, that's the thing, you see. I, I, I did. I, I cranked my prices up. It, it's actually so funny, man. So, so I'd met him at my sister's wedding when, when I went back. And, uh, you know, we, we were outside having, having a ciggy or two or something. And he's like, oh, you know, I heard you're an artist, this and that. I'd really like to see your work. Um, so I showed him my Instagram. And, uh, yeah, have a couple of drinks after that. Think nothing of it. And then two days later, I get this email like singapore.gov. You know, I was thinking, oh, what the fuck have I done? You know, and I get, I don't know what kind of crazy parking tickets, whatever. Um, and then it comes up from this guy, uh, George Way, Justice Way, you know, and he's like, um, mate, I'd love to catch up with you for a lunch. I, I really like the stuff that you do. Maybe meet at the courthouse, you know. Um, so yeah, that sounds cool. You know, I'm, I, I was there working on, on an exhibition, so I didn't quite know what to expect. I'm down there in my like paint jeans and, and a shirt and stuff and fuck me dead we're in this like fancy Ritz Carlton kind of restaurant you know I was like oh shit I'm so underdressed um, but I don't know I sit down and he's just the, the calmest most chill person ever you know he's just like oh like I was saying you know I, I really like your work what kind of prices do you charge this and that and I, I, so I gave him I, I probably put a bit more about what I'd normally charge um, and Probably about a month and a bit later, I'd, I'd finished the piece and I thought, you know, this is, this is actually what I thought was quite an impressive piece, you know. So I thought I'd hand deliver it, flew back to Singapore, gave him the piece, again brought me to this real fucking posh restaurant. And so after we finished dessert and all that, <laughs> we unraveled the piece, you know, and the waiter in the corner kind of helps just flatten everything out. And it's like, oh mate, this is, this is incredible. How much did you say you charged me? No, no, let's put an extra couple of grand on top of that. And by the way, I want four more pieces. <laughs> oh fuck! Okay, shit. So, so I don't, I, I don't know, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, it, it just happened so suddenly. Mm. Like, does that mean that these are the kind of prices that I have to command now after this? I, I guess I do. But I mean, this is like a. I don't want to say a one-off client. Hopefully, this this snowballs with, mm. with his connection. It's, um, it's one of those things, though, because like, like I have. Um, like if I've sold work at a certain price yeah. and then people come to me and they want, they say, oh, I can't afford that. Can you do me a discount? Yeah. I, say, I always say, look, that's, that's the price that everyone else has paid for this, this size artwork or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if I give you a discount, I'm ripping off everyone else that's ever bought my art. See, so that's, what I, what's I, that's what I'm getting at. You know? So I don't know maybe this judge has just set your prices for you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Well, look, I, I was telling you about those backlog of commissions, right? They're, they're all his. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's all right. Man, yeah, no, it's, it's all right, I tell you. It's just, oh, man, they're, they're pretty demanding pieces, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's good to have work lined up. It is it? good to have work lined up, mm. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So is art your uh, full-time gig? Well, look, I mean, it was for a while, and then now I feel, since I've become more involved with, with QBank Gallery, I like to split it kind of maybe 40, 60. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is 40 which 40 is, is Q-Bank and yeah. 60s my work sometimes it ends up turning around a bit so oh, let's just put it 50-50 yeah. <laughs> um, but look I, I really enjoy working with Q-Bank and working with these guys um, so can you tell me what is Q-Bank like so, so Q-Bank Gallery is a, an artist residency um, that started up about two years ago so what happened was uh, two good mates bought a bank over here, it was the old Commonwealth Bank on the main street, Or Street, and they, they converted it into an artist residency. And it actually existed as an artist residency a couple of years ago, but I don't think the people that were running it, either they were too busy or 
I do want to say that they weren't serious about it, but I, I want to put it down to they were too busy to keep the thing up and running mm -hmm. and going. Um, so I, I think that kind of set the, the idea that, all right, maybe we can do something similar. And initially the idea was, all right, we'll, we'll just have the artist, we'll get, we'll get a couple of Melbourne artists, or whoever we know down here, and just have a bit of fun really, you know, um, try and get some community engagement going. Um, and I think it just organically grew to the point where shit now you're here, you know, I mean, if you ask either of us like two years ago, oh yeah, Tom Gerard would be keen on coming down for residency, ah, oh, fuck, fuck off you dickhead. You know, um, but I think look in in the first place, this this spot is just so conducive for making making art. It's it's quiet, it's tucked away. The people are friendly-ish. <laughs> it depends where you go and have a beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I like that that comfy kind of isolation that you don't find in a lot of places. I, the landscape, for one, is inspiring. Mm. Um, yeah, for for all the viewers at home that have not been to uh, Queenstown before, it used to be an old mining town and that industry was on a sharp decline probably around the 90s I'd say. Mm. Um, so property became really cheap uh, which is one of the reasons why this guy, these guys bought the bank for basically a steal. Mm. Mind you that's uh, Queenstown in Tasmania. Queenstown, not in, not that's right. Mate the amount of times I've been, yeah what are you doing in, in bloody NZ? I was, nah. Queenstown in Tasmania, that's right on the west coast of Tasmania near Strawn. Yeah, um, it's really interesting because I like you know my wife Claire's here with me, yeah. and we're, we've been to Patagonia as well. Okay, and it, it really reminds us of towns we were staying in in Patagonia. It's Man. like it's got that that um, that edge of the world, like bottom of the world type of vibe. Mate, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, like I was saying earlier, I spent a fair bit of time in in Eastern Europe, mainly uh, Romania, and there's a village over there called Novac. Um, and that's like 17,000 kilometers away. And it's the, the vibes of this place, the people that inhabit it, it's just so similar, man. You know, mm -hmm. a place on the other side of the world, never would have heard of each other, the two, the two uh, uh, cities or uh, towns, I'd, I'd say. And they just exist in such a similar, you know, way of life. It's, it's incredible. So, you know, after going over to places like that and then coming over here, it's like the parallels were just instantaneous. Mm. Um, yeah, I love it down here. I've been getting into a really good routine of, um, you know, oh. waking up and do, you know, going for a run in the morning, yeah, and, then, and then and then doing <laughs> art all morning, and then yep. going trekking for two hours or whatever, and then come back and then do art in the afternoon. That's like, that's what I felt so was great good. about my three months, uh, my three months down here, because you you get guys coming in, some of the locals are like, oh dude, the weather's good, let's go for a hike, mm. and then you know six hours later you're back after you've gone up bloody Mount Owen and that, you know, mm. and then. Um, Straight back into the work. Day after that, you go out gold panning and stuff. Chris mm. brought you out the other day for a, a big uh, walkabout. Yeah, but that was really cool because she took us down paths through the forest to waterfalls that she'd found herself, and she'd yeah, she like cut all the trees down to make yeah, the path yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. It's, yeah, it was totally. crazy. It was like so. Know, so this is what Queenstown is to me. You know, it's just I don't know. It's it's a constant adventure, really. And on top of that, yeah, like a working holiday almost is what I felt when I was here. Yeah. Um, I feel my art changed a bit in, in a positive way. Mm. Well, I've already, I've, like all day today, I've been looking through the photos I've taken in the yeah. last few days. Yeah. And I've been doing lots of drawings and paintings based off them. It's like, I'm, I don't know, I feel like I, I first, I got here and I did a painting that was sort of similar to what I would have done in Melbourne. And then straight after that, I've been really, um, I guess, doing what you're meant to be doing on a residency and really taking yeah. your environment yeah. and uh, seeing how it can affect your art. Mm -hmm. And it's, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, no, this place yeah. is perfect for it. I think the other thing people forget is how much it rains. Yeah. Like it is almost constantly raining. Yeah, it's middle um, of summer. We've had the fire going. Oh, well, that's the thing, man. You just, you know, huddle in front of the fireplace and there you go. There's a good seven, eight hours of just drawing and yeah. listening to a good podcast and that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. It's mm. uh, that time of the interview, mate. We're going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Shoot, brother. Let's go. So, um, name one artist you think deserves more shine. Um, mm -hmm. There's um. So, so when when you say someone with more shine, 
I, I guess you're saying what? Yeah, yeah. So this, like, there's, there's one artist that I'm looking at at the moment. His name's Alfred, Alfred Liu. I think his Instagram handle just goes Alfred Liu, L-I-U, and then 1989. Um, oh, this, this incredible illustrator. I think I'd seen a bit of his work at an, uh, an off-the-curb show ages ago. And a oh man just surprisingly has, you know, a really tiny following, but man, I think his stuff is so on point. It's really reminiscent of these old Chinese um, scroll paintings mm-hmm. with, with kind of like ink wash um, that I grew up with as a kid. You know, my, my grandfather was a big collector. Um, yeah, I mean, so if, if, you know, someone who needs more shine, if uh, a lack of uh, social media following is an indication of that. Then I guess I guess this guy needs a couple more followers. But yeah, Jesus works so on point. I've been looking at it for for a fair while now. What's the name? Alfred Liu. Uh, Alfred Liu. So it's his Instagram handles A L F R E D Alfred L I U and nineteen eighty nine. That's that's all just just one word. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, I, I reckon that's guys. That guys are awesome. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you see, are you like, um, do you see similarities between your work and yeah, his? Yeah, kind, like, kind of, definitely, that? because I, I think he's got a real kind of, um, just just a weird kind of out there narrative, which I, you know, you know the piece is definitely telling a story, but it's not immediate. Mm. The more you stare at it, I think the viewer comes up with their own ideas of what the artist is trying to say. And I think that makes it a really, um, a lot of his pieces quite successful, you know, they're not boring. Um, you can actually take away a lot from that. They're not like overtly political or anything like that. Um, yeah, just really interesting to stare at. Mm, cool. That's what that's what I thought about his work, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what's one medium you'd love to work with, mate? To be honest, printmaking. I've always thought that something like copper etching maybe is what I'd like to get into. I, you know, it's it's probably a bad excuse, but I. I think just with my studio space at the moment, I don't have enough. Um, I just don't. It, it's a pretty messy process, I think. Well, I feel it is anyways. I haven't really done a lot of exploring into it, but I feel, um, yeah, something like printmaking could be pretty good to get into. I think if, so I, I've always been a bit, a bit kind of careful with making prints of my work unless they're, they're kind of, you know, the originals are just, I'd never sell them. The original exists just to be a print. Mm. Um, But I think, yeah, maybe going into etching would kind of change that that idea of uh, reproducing an artwork. Mm. I could imagine seeing your work as a major. Yeah, I think so as well. What's that guy I've been looking at for a while? John Guthman, Jonathan Guthman, I think. He's had a few shows at uh, Backwards and I've always been a massive fan of his stuff. Um, a lot of apocalyptic, biblical kind of uh, themes that he puts in. Yeah, super interesting. Do you know Tom Civil at all? I do know Tom Civil. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've met the guy a couple of times. Because he yeah. does printmaking. Does he? Yeah, oh, yeah he man, does I all, s- all sorts of printmaking. Yeah, He's, yeah. I worth speaking to. See his stuff translates so well, man. Yeah. Hook next time, up, bro. Yeah, next, well, next <laughs> time you're in Collingwood, you know, he's, uh, he's, definitely. he's got a space at uh, Everfresh. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, what's one skill you wish you had? Bro, this one's a fucking easy one. I wish I could fucking clone myself. Get like this <laughs> sweatshop of Sean Lou's working on a big piece together. So it's like, you know, I could sit down and have a couple of beers and tell Sean number two to, you know, start doing the outlines of this piece. Sean three, just fucking, you know, start filling in that bit again. You know, I wish I could pull something like that off. You know, that kind of... Um, Andy Warhol. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Did he ever finish off a piece on his own or? I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I wasn't there. You weren't there, good call. <laughs> Neither was I. I know some sometime in my head I've, I've got the idea that he, he got to that point where yeah, he was just yeah. Yeah, got a team of little soldiers reproducing yeah. all this stuff. That would definitely be one of the skills I wish I had, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and like so you can't see um, there's me. no scope for a uh, an assistant in your practice well, well well so with with murals i've found that having a, an assistant's always handy so I, mm. I kind of approach a mural as how i would do a drawing which a couple of artist mates have said is is quite different so i'd start off with the outlines after uh, gritting a thing up um <clears throat> and then it's about filling in um and leaving out a couple of just 
key points, so that indicators that that's where the line work should be and this and that before I start filling it in or hatching. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I guess in that sense, yeah, I, I do need a bit of help when it comes to mural stuff. But when it comes to drawing, I don't think I trust anyone. No, not because it's a drawing. It's like yeah, yeah. That's it's the thing. If it's I a bit more precious. It's and, and also yeah. you know like ink on paper. Once you fuck up, you fucked up. Yeah. Um, I think that's only happened once to me. What, like to spill the drink on us? Well, that. you know, I, I've actually, man, I'm not going to tell you which piece or who I sold it to, but I have spilled a bit of beer on a piece before, and it's just about kind of going over it a bit darker, slightly changing that, yeah, you know, so it's less noticeable. Yeah, um, it's only happened once. But everyone's like, you know, has to edit their artwork here and there because yeah, they've yeah. done something that's not quite right. Like I was just in the studio before, and there yeah. was a did a whole area on a piece and it's just like I stood back and it's like nah yeah. you can just have yeah. to cover it all up you know shivers um, but it's alright because it's just it's the um, it's the life of a painter you know Andrew, I, I guess so what, what I'm saying is it's only happened once where I'm like nah fuck this I need to throw it away yeah. I can't I can't keep going it's just obvious to the point where and I remember um, so I'd, I'd use like a 0 0.05 to mm. kind of get the hatching, but I, sometimes I use a Stanley knife to chip, chip off at the edge, mm. so you get a, an even finer line, I guess. Mm. Um, but the problem with that pen after doing it was it started to bleed, oh, okay. and it just became this massive lot, and it was at a real prominent spot, like around the guy's nose, so it looked like he had this massive, bloody, overgrown oh. mole or some shit, and I was like, nah, I, I seriously can't fix this. Yeah. So I had to start again. Yeah. Ugh. Just the other day, I was... Um, I was I, I was work doing or finishing off a work on paper yeah. and I I, I don't know I, I needed to stand I needed to stand up and work on it because it was trying to get quite loose with mm, the, the painting mm, mm -hmm. and um, I felt that the desk wasn't giving me that so um, I blue tacked it to the wall and I was I was you know painting and drawing away on it and everything yeah. and I was really I, I, I stood back and I go done All right, it's done and it was yeah. one of those like forty two degree days or so <laughs> and the blue tack got so soft. And just as I said, all right, that's done. It fell off the wall and landed on a can of paint that's sideways and just ripped. It just ripped oh the bottom of the painting. God. It's like, oh no! And then, um, and then the next week, um, you know, a guy and a girl from France yeah. came, came to my studio and they were, they were just in Melbourne for a couple of days and they're looking through work. And they go, oh, we really like this one. I go, yeah, but it's got a rip in it. And they're like. Yeah, that's the piece. They're like, yeah, that's the piece. <laughs> oh, all right, I gave, gave him some money off and all that. Man, you saved it in the end. I was yeah. just like, yeah, I can't believe I sold that piece. Hey, but <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you're talking about about those those forty two degree days. So when I get one of those big pieces of paper going, I um, I've got that artist tape, and what I'll do is normally I'll stretch the tape out and kind of put it on my jeans, and so it gets less sticky. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I just, you know, put maybe two layers over the, the paper so it doesn't warp too much. Mm -hmm. For some reason, when it gets hot, it the paper inevitably starts to warp. And the other thing is also that that glue in the tape really starts to stick into the paper. Mm. So another thing I figured out is, man, I, I think it's about taping it on the back rather than the front. I've noticed a couple of artists doing that. Does it? Does that make sense? Because, oh, you follow because when you, yeah, oh, kind of. You you put so the drawing part, the drawing side that you're yeah. using, yeah. you don't put tape on that. If yeah. it's going to be a long drawing, so again, I take ages for my drawing. So if that tape is going to be there for like three weeks, it's not a good idea. It starts eating into the paper and this kind mm. of thing. So what I've figured out is, man, you just do it on the other side. Mm -hmm. Get some of that double-sided tape. Does it, I don't you, know why I never thought of that. Does that you know? peel off all right, though? Yeah, look, it, if it, even if it doesn't peel off, it's not on the side that's yeah, on that I guess piece. So. Yeah. Um, so what's happened was peeling off that because I, I draw all the way up to the edge, you see, mm -hmm. and then peeling it off on that side, sometimes little bits kind of get cut off. Mm -hmm. Then I just have to redraw it in, but it's uh, just fucking irritating, if anything. Yeah. I hate it when you're, you're peeling tape off papers. Oh, like, man. Oh, no. <laughs> so tentative with that stuff. starting to come up. Yeah, that's it. I think a, ha a hairdryer, I've heard, works well with that. Yeah. yeah I, I masked off something on, on a wooden panel the other day. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I peeled it off. Mm -hmm. And then... um. And it made the wood all like furry and stuff oh, like that. Bullshit. I yeah, so like it's picking up all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah I had to yeah, sand yeah. it all back. And I get you. Yeah, it was just like, man, it was just here at Queensland. Mm -hmm. yeah. But um, anyway, next question. Anyway. Um, so who's your favourite artist? 
there's you've watched Akira before, haven't you? Yeah. Katsuhiro Otomo, man, like the comic book series that he did, it's it's just next level. Just in terms of um, the dynamic angles that he uses, there's this guy called Kim Jong Ji, I think his name is, and like he just draws with one of those brush pens, you know. But the angles that he gets um, on on his characters. It, I don't think you quite understand what I mean by, by angles, so like a three-quarter kind of view from the top and stuff, and, but basically that foreshortening and everything, yeah. which I find really intimidating. I, think, I find that a lot of the stuff that I draw is always on a front-on, eye-level kind of view. Yeah, I can't even do that. Oh, man, this, this guy's just, yeah, in, yeah, fucking incredible talent. Um, another fellow I've been following quite recently, I saw a lot of his work in Hong Kong when I was down at the Basel this uh, last year, 2018. Uh, Michael Borromans, I don't know whether you've heard of that painter. No. He's a Belgian guy, man. Um, he's almost got this like impressionist kind of way about painting, a lot moodier, you know? So he's, he's relatively young considering how successful he is. But the thing I like about him is he started painting like in his late 30s, you know? Mm. One of those never too late <laughs> kind of things. Uh, because I feel I started my doing art quite late as well. Um, no, not really. Well, how old were you? I, I know I was about, I was about 22, 23 when I started. You know, I was, I was so unfocused. But was that like just you mean? So like again, I, so, I just like, so doing it seriously, or yeah, you mean yeah, quitting yeah. your job and doing? I it? mean, I mean, um, taking on a completely different uh, fucking like career path. Like. Yeah, exactly. So you know, going from something like IT. Um, I even dabbled in a course with, oh, but you were drawing communication. oh man you I was drawing, drawing since I was a kid yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right yeah I, um, I, you know, me personally I didn't um, quit my job to pursue art till I was 38 years old yeah you know? yep yep true 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 so it's like it's not it's never too late it's, yeah, it's never too late but, I, know, I know but I was I was I've been drawing and painting every single day since yep. like the 90s you yep, know yep, but yep. it's like I never saw the possibility of having an art career yeah. so I just always had well, another job yeah that's right know? Uh, yeah. But I've never been happier now. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yeah, beats working, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, oh, uh, it, yeah it, is, it sort of is working still. Ah, uh, you almost never No, nah, no, nah, I feel like I've retired actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I take that bro. back. It's not work. It's just, no, man, no. But, um, but it is um, daunting. It's, I think it's more work um, psychologically. Mm -hmm. You know, just sort of, you know, not knowing where the next dollar is coming from and all that type of stuff. Just going, yeah, the freelance right, game, exactly. You, gotta, you just got to have faith. Mm -hmm. But I think. Um, after a couple of years now, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of go into the groove. Yeah. Know. yeah. So, um, speaking of which, mm -hmm. uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Man, I mentioned earlier in, in the last question, I think it's really just to keep focused. You know, I wish I'd kind of honed in on what exactly it was I, I wanted to do mm. earlier. You know, I... Just, just a clear idea on, on the kind of goals that I wanted to achieve. I, I, that's so hard to. Yeah, but I wouldn't have listened to myself anyways, man. Yeah, but you got it's, that's the thing. You you know you learn the lessons you need to learn as you yeah uh, when, you, when you need to learn them. You know if you know what I mean. It's yeah, like, yeah, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, I, I still think of it as shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, it's mm. just, a lot of my daydreaming involves that. Just I used like, to think that all the time. Yeah, even yeah. even when I was <laughs> even when I was skating, you know, like I used yeah. to skateboard every single day. Yeah, and like. I remember in the 90s, like, I'd watch, like, old videos from the 80s and uh -huh. stuff and go, oh, if I could just jump in a time machine, then I'd be one of the best in the world, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's so, like, yeah, but you're not. And even if, you, if I was back then doing it, I still wouldn't be great. That's <laughs> right, like, that's you know? right. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think this, this idea kind of started a couple of days ago when I was playing chess with, with Stephen over here at the bar. And um, like, that guy just fucking destroyed me you were there to see the game it was fucking disgusting yeah, he destroyed me as um, well <laughs> that's right yeah the destroyed chess um, yeah I wished I'd I wished I'd done a bit of chess when I was a kid I ended up thinking that for so long I only picked it up like pretty recently I feel yeah. like I know the rules and all that but uh, I don't know fucking love that game yeah but it's a new game that's entered your life that's you know right I mean? it's yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. give, give oh, it yeah. 10 years and you'll be uh, never too uh, late yeah. right yeah You'd be, like, you'd be like a Russian protege. Oh, mate, yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. So do you have a, uh, a dream project you'd love to work on? I think maybe working with an animator to maybe try and bring my 
some of my drawings life. I don't know. The, the one thing that I thought would have always kind of worked with a bit of my work, that was at the last, um, or maybe two white nights before, seeing Sophos having that VR projection put up on his work, you know? Mm. I've always wanted to try and do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't quite know how to pull it off, but I think I've been talking to a couple of people. Um, there's that VR gallery on Johnson Street, and we're having a, a yard with that fuller for a bit. So I'm not quite sure how to pull something like that off, but would definitely love to give it a go. So I guess if you're talking about a dream project, yeah, that's, that's one of them. It's pretty achievable, though, because if you think about it, if you're already producing the art yourself, yeah. all you've got to do is employ an animator. That's right. You know? And then there was that other thing, man, that uh, I was running a, a show for uh, Mick Porter, and he had a couple of mates over at Marfa Gallery, and one of them was working with some augmented reality kind of... And it was so basic. It was almost kind of like... A bit like Pac-Man, you know? So mm. it was kind of pixel-based. But what it'd do was... And this is just all off his bloody iPhone. He'd map off a square... You know, like a, a a rectangle or something, or in in that space of the room. So when you move your phone around, you can kind of see that rectangle. And throughout that, you're almost just putting spots in. And mm. you know, I think at the last wall to wall festival, there was that booth at the main. Did you see that? You know, where there's that VR kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it called? Something brush or whatever. Or yeah, yeah. I, was t I wanted to have a go at that. Yeah. The fact that the, the weird part was is it was projected onto a screen and all these yeah. people could watch you. Yeah, that's right. that's right. But isn't it supposed to be pretty public anyway? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, uh, so Ears was down there. Dan, Dan or two was down there doing a couple of pieces, but he, he finished pretty quick. So he was there at the festival having a go. And man, I just saw him, you know, whack that thing up in like mm. you know, a couple of minutes. And it was so spot on. It's, it's literally like he was there mm. painting, you know? Yeah. yeah it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is the technology is out there. I'd like mm. to maybe explore a different fa how to yeah. bring my like drawings. Or, you know, do you know um, Stu Campbell? Can't say I do. Uh, no. Sutu he goes under, uh -huh. but he um, he does augmented reality for mm. a living, and I, I've done some projects with him. And it's um, like he's probably someone you could get in touch with hey. and do it. I'll, I'll link you <laughs> Again, up. Again, hook me up, bro. I, I did a podcast with him. It's yeah. Like, like real early one, I think in the twenties or thirties. Oh yeah, so early. So this to, is what are you on now? Hundred and hundred uh, and know. something? Yeah, yeah. In the hundreds. Fuck, you've been doing pretty well for yourself, bro. Oh, Shit. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, I can't say a number because I don't know which order. This yeah, one yeah. Fair call, fair call. <laughs> yeah, but um, but he's someone you could possibly talk to because yeah, he, yeah. he yeah. he's you know he's someone that takes people's artwork and then animates it. Mm -hmm. Um. So like he, he did a book, an augmented reality book, where um called iJack. He's got a company called iJack, and you okay. you um just hold your phone over the book, and the whole and the book animates. Do you have to download an app or something like yeah, that? Yeah, you or? download an app to your yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also done it um like big. I think he did a big pro a project with um was it George Rose? Right. In uh, oh, I hate to get that wrong, but I think it was mm. in, um, in Melbourne Central. Okay. And you stand at a certain point. And it says, you know, it's got a spot that says, stand here, download this app, and then point it at this mural. Yeah. And the whole thing animates, and it was like a, yeah. a, a five-story mural. You know, yeah, things shit. like that. So, um, you know, he's someone that you could, you could get in touch with. Man, I'm king. Yeah. For sure. Remind me after the podcast. I will. I yeah. will, bro. Um, so, hang on. Where were we here? Um, where, where were you wanting to take your uh, art career? Mm. Well, I... I think early on in in my art career, traveling was a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, again, Eastern Europe. Um, I think that those are the places that really inspired me to, um, you know, figure out what exactly it was that I wanted to tell with my art or um, I, I guess with the subject matter. I'd, I'd really like to go back to Europe. I haven't been to Berlin before. Um, you know, France, geez, I'd, I'd really like to go back to Eastern Europe. Mm. I think I haven't, I haven't been back there in, in two years. So I'd like, I'd like to get to the point where I'd possibly be able to travel with my art, you know? Yeah. Whether it be mules or exhibitions. Mm. Um, I think the, the closest I came was, was going back to the, uh, to, to the motherland, back to Singapore to do my last show. 
Um, so that was pretty cool. I think I'd like to, yeah, I would like to take that direction. Mm. I guess now with, with QBank, um, you know, working with them kind of full-time is, uh, doesn't make it as easy. But I, th I feel that the way we're going, it could get to the point where this could possibly work with me, you know, still being able to travel overseas and run it, you know, from anywhere else in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, do a bit of travel, I think. Yeah, because something I've been doing lately since I've uh, gone full time with my art, mm -hmm. like I, I've always liked to travel. So, um, and that's what you're doing next year, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, like when I, I work out where I want to go, and then I yep. start looking at possibilities for that that country or city or wherever, yes. you know. And yeah. there's lots of things happening mm -hmm. all over the world. With well, that's the thing: meeting new artists, interesting people. Again, I, I find that a lot of my work's inspired by the landscape and. Mm. Yeah, I just need to get out more, is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're down here in Tasmania. I'm down here in the middle of the <laughs> west coast of Tasmania, yeah. So that's that's one off one off the list, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any uh, future plans or projects in the pipeline? Mate, I, I would like to work on a, a solo show at the end of the year. Um, you ever heard of the, uh, shit, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, the, the Bayer Tapestry? You know, it's just, it, it was a huge, like 70 meter long, kind of uh, uh, illustrated, well, not, not really illustrated, it was kind of knitted onto this old kind of, for lack of a better word, tapestry. Mm -hmm. um, and it was about the Norman conquest of England. And so okay. it, it tells a really strong story of how they came over and basically fucked up for the, uh, uh, the English before they were there, I'm totally screwing up the story. I'm sorry, but but what I'm what I'm getting at is is that really beautiful narrative, um, and just working on a bit of a larger scale. I think that's something I'd like to do. So more, it, just getting a huge roll of paper and and, and going crazy on it. Mm. There are a couple of artists on Instagram that have really inspired me to do that. Mm. Um, uh, I guess now that you know. I, well, potentially moving into a, a bigger studio spot um, in Abbotsford that would allow me to, to do something like that, I guess. Yeah. Because you know you can buy like the rolls of oh, dude, like, yeah. watercolour paper. That's right. And you can buy yeah. like a roll that you're just rolling out onto the table, but then at the other end of the table is the other roll that's rolling it back on. Exactly. You can just work your way dude, something thing. like that. So That yeah, keeps it clean. I, I like, guess, yeah. uh, don't worry about the Bayer Tapestry, maybe the wall. You know the wall yeah, down in, yeah. um, uh, it's, it's on the way up from Hobart to, to Queenstown, right? That A10 highway, maybe it's the A10 highway. Um, and you stop off in this, this spot and it's this guy that's been working on the space for, what, 20, 30 years or something? Yeah. Uh, with those wood carvings? Yeah. Something like that. That's something I'd like to attempt. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and I was there the other day and it was just, I, I was blown away because I, I hadn't really been told what it was. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think Anissa said, oh, he's working with pine or something like that. And I thought it was like pine cones and he's making like a mural <laughs> out of like different colored pine cones yeah, or something. And this I motherfucker's got just a huge piece of wood and it's just carving in moss. I don't know how far off he's, he is from finishing. He's, he's getting there. He's getting there. Because, uh, you know, we went there and had a look and I was blown yeah. away. He's it probably about, I'd say he's 85% of the way through. Okay, okay. Yeah. I see, I, I still thought he was in like the 6, 50, 60% kind No, of no, no. It's like, it's, it's there, you know. Yeah. But yeah. it's just funny. He's so precious over it, you know. Yeah, man. Like, no no photography. Yeah. No, don't even bring your phone out of yeah. your pocket and shit. Yeah, yeah. there's just signs everywhere just saying, don't take your phone out of your pocket. <laughs> yeah, Chill <laughs> out, man. Yeah. Yeah. We have, you know, people have to know about this. You know, yeah, you're exactly. Middle, you're in the absolute middle of nowhere. It's, like, if I think if people took a photo of it and put it online, people are like, oh, I want to go check that out. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder why you're so um, hardcore about not having any of that documented. Because you, you go online so, and you're so long working on it. That's yeah. Right. Well, that's yeah. that's one of the things exactly. It, it still is a, a massive work in front. Because uh, I know it's the same. Like, say, I'm working on a. Uh, like on an exhibition yeah. and I'm getting all the paintings together and yeah. like no one's seen them yet mm -hmm. and someone will come into my studio and do an Instagram story and yeah. like hey yeah. don't show everyone all these paintings I'm waiting to unveil them you know that's right that's yeah. right so I guess it's, it's, it, gets, it depends on where you're at like maybe once he's finished he's going to mm -hmm. be like go nuts 
yeah. I'd imagine. Who but knows? So take, <laughs> taking another like uh, page out of this guy's book, I think, um, well, this is how I think he works anyways. There's not a real kind of set plan to what he's doing, I think anyways, because there's so, so much empty space in between the pieces, you know. Have you been there? Well, so no. Uh, again, it's it's that those photos that we looked at last oh, night where there's so much. No, nah, they're uh, all photos. They're all photos. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's like there's yeah. a there's a lot of. Um, See, that's when I said sixty percent finished because no, no. I thought these things were pretty. Because what he does, he, he won't just work on one piece at a time. He'll have it like um, he'll chisel away and at, mm -hmm. at bits and then sand them back and all that. Yeah, have yep. them perfectly finished. But then yep. he'll work on the next one where he's chiseled it, but he hasn't sanded it. And then the next one, so we can keep right, telling the story. Right, right. Yeah. So a lot of bits need to do, like, and some of it would be almost finished, but the guy's like, from the knee down, he yeah, won't, he won't yeah. like, it wouldn't, it'll still be a wooden block, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just yeah. things like that, he's just still working away at it, but mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's got everything up there. But it's just funny, because you get there, and he's yeah. so strict on his rules, and and the first panel of the whole mural is all the rules. No photos, no this, no that. He's, he's, but it's, it's actually all probably... It's all uh, no shit. Like, Man, he spent heaps of time writing these Just rules. telling you how the rules. What a fucking legend. That, that means you know the guy's serious, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's an individual, isn't he? Yeah, bloody hell. I'd, I'd love to meet the guy one day. Yeah. So, Sean, um, like, where's the best place for people to... Uh, find your art online and check out what you're up to I'd, I'd say it'd be uh, Instagram for sure yeah. I think that's where I put most of my stuff up I also have a website but but my Instagram handles um, Seamus Lou so that's S-H-A-M-U-S-L-U yeah and the website's SeamusLou.com yeah mm -hmm. I didn't know your name was Seamus no it's it's not actually so story goes my um, pretty sure my mum wanted to call me Seamus um She's, I think she had an Irish friend or something along those lines, you know, real nice, strong, strong Irish name, Seamus. But my granddad, who was quite a staunch Chinese kind of fellow, said, no fucking way my grandson's going to be called Seamus. So I guess, I guess the compromise was Sean. Yeah. But uh, my mum always just called me Seamus, one of those things. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of how it came about. I yeah. know. Well, um. Like before we go, if uh, if people want to get in touch with uh, Cuban Gallery and do a residency down here or yep. anything like that, like how would they get in touch? With I, you I think the best the best way to do it is just send me an email. So it's Sean at cubankgallery.com.au. That's uh, S H A W N. Yeah, S H A W N at Cubank Gallery, one word. So yeah, uh, at um, uh, sorry dot com dot au. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, mate. Thanks so much, bro. It's no been worries. a real pleasure. Yeah, no worries. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Bench Talk. To view images of the guest's artwork, follow us on Instagram at bench underscore talk or go to the website benchtalkpodcast.com. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or Stitcher. If you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode.